0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Hail Yes, back and better than ever. It is uh, Wednesday afternoon, December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day. Um, Shout out to my grandfather, my late grandfather, a Pearl Harbor survivor at 17 uh, years old. Maybe someday I'll tell the story of what he was doing at 17 uh, (laughs) compared to what I'm now doing at 30. Uh, But until then, I'm Tony Garcia, uh, the Michigan beat writer for the Free Press. I'm joined by Reiner Saban, our Big Ten insider. Reiner, regular season in the books. Big Ten title game in the books. For the second straight season, Michigan makes it through all of that unblemished. For the third straight season, back to the college football playoff. And uh, of course, that's what we're here to talk about. All things Michigan and Alabama and the Rose Bowl. But I will bring you in with the question, Reiner, what, was this the right matchup? Yeah, I mean that's a it's an interesting debate. Uh, I
1: think that the committee probably got it right. I mean, if you look at the Vegas line, it's a, it, it seems almost close to a pick 'em with Michigan and Alabama. And I mean, if, if that's you know the indicator to me that you know that that the committee that the committee got it right in the sense that I mean they wanted the most competitive matchup. Plus, you've got two name brand programs: SEC versus Big Ten. The SEC champion, it would have been hard to leave out considering they dominated the college football playoff. And, uh, again, uh, I I think they wanted, you know, to ensure that this was not going to be a blowout type of game, and that was a possibility with Florida not having their quarterback, uh, Jordan Travis, uh, there. I mean, it just – as much as Florida State uh, has an argument, obviously going undefeated and winning the Power Five Conference – you know, championship. It still is a team that doesn't look as strong as it did at the beginning of the season. Whereas Alabama looks like they've gotten stronger as the season has
0: gone on. I hear, I hear all those arguments, and this really was sort of as we were talking. This was sort of Monday's conversation. But man, it's just, it's still very interesting. Uh, and uh, and and all those points are very hard to disagree with. Uh, yet I'm going to do it anyway. I know it's not sexy. I know it's not what people want. I know. Technically, they might not be the stronger team, but they are the team that earned it, them being Florida State, in my mind. Uh, It's not their fault that LSU lost a couple games, right? Like they skipped, and Florida was five and seven, right? They beat two SEC teams. They ran the table in the ACC. That's not on, and it's just too and like if Alabama had, say Alabama's loss had not been to Texas, right? It was any other equivalent top team. Bama would have been in and Florida state would have been in and Texas would have been left out. But because Texas had that direct win to Bama, you couldn't leave Texas out. And then Bama wins the sec couldn't leave them. out. I think that's like, it was just the ultimate storm, which we've all hashed a million times. Uh, but, uh, but I still feel for, for Florida state, uh, it's just brutal. It's just brutal. But such is life. And with that, uh, I don't feel too bad because we get to go to the Rose Bowl, uh, we being us, uh, and cover it. And uh, and all the people who listen to this podcast get to watch it. So with that, uh, I think our, our top question today, Reiner, there are so many of them. What is your top Rose Bowl storyline? Uh, is it just that, or could we start with the fact that in the final year of what has any semblance of how you and I grew up knowing college football right before massive massive expansion. Michigan is in that final last Rose Bowl. The most the 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 game that is synonymous with them as a program, what has always been their goal uh since the 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 beginning of time.
1: Well, I predate you by a lot. Tony, because my <laughs> memories of college football are far different than what it even looks like now. So, I mean... Well, yes, yes, no I remember split national championships, you know, like what Michigan had in 1997 where they're playing one game, uh, you know, that really has That's no... Yes, it were against Washington State in the Rose Bowl and Nebraska's playing, I, I can't remember who, in the <laughs> probably in the Orange Bowl. And so, uh, yes, I mean, it's a, it's a totally different... Uh, a way of looking at it. But yes, this is the last year and it really seemed like an inevitability that Michigan was going to get to this point. Uh, I mean, we, we've been talking about the Rose Bowl since before the season and that this was probably their destination. Uh, this is their best team that of this, of the, uh, of the playoff era of Jim Harbaugh's tenure. Uh, you know, the it was set up for Michigan to get to this point. Now the matchup itself is very intriguing, obviously with Alabama. Uh, this is kind of the, the boogeyman, the kind of, uh, you know, I know they had the beat Georgia drill, but really Alabama is the progenitor of Georgia. It, it was the, the, basically the inspiration for Georgia. Everything that Georgia is, is what Alabama was. And a lot of questions were, uh, did Alabama pass the torch to Georgia uh, unwillingly and, and now it seems like Alabama's rested that torch back. I mean, obviously beating Georgia in the SEC championship game. So, I mean, this is kind of the matchup that really, in some ways, that Harbaugh and Michigan was anticipating, even though it was Georgia. But Alabama is basically the, you know, again the the inspiration for what Georgia ultimately became. And so, uh, it, it's not going to be any different. Really, this is what they they were anticipating. What we were really anticipating before the season started.
0: We were, but it's, it's a, it's a funny sort of twist that all year uh, and even still not just Michigan has been preparing for Georgia, but whoever Georgia is Alabama, just that top SEC team, that top team from another region that Michigan has not the hump that Michigan has still not gotten over yet. Right. That's been Michigan's goal all year. Yet when the bracket comes out, the one seed is next to Michigan's name, right? The four seed is next to Alabama and look at Vegas technically Michigan is the favorite in this game and so i think as much of this battle uh, is is going to be Michigan not getting uh caught up in the in in the Alabama mystique um, and uh as far as i know you asked Blake Corm about that specifically right after we found out about the matchup and you, and <laughs> yeah, i thought his reaction was really funny he's like He's like, act like we're the top dog. He's like, we are the top dog. Top dog. Like, what do you mean? Right? Like, um, like he's like, of course, that's how I'm going to act. Well, but yeah, exactly. really has, yeah. I don't know if everybody has that make quorum yeah. thought. And maybe a little bit of that sort of, I know you think a little bit of that leaked through with, with that reaction when, when when Alabama is found out. But I guess but before you get to that, I just, it's just funny that all year, like Michigan still feels it needs to prove itself against this team as the favorite it's just normally that's not the way that happens that's that's kind
1: of what i was asking because and you you know them to recognize that they are the number one team but the reaction was pretty telling right when the matchup was announced it was like ooh, you know and they (laughs) kind of gasped and it was just like you know the, the the reality had set in that they're gonna have to do this and it's a it's a real question with Michigan I mean they're They've lost the last six bowl games. Uh, Harbaugh's one in six in bowl games at at Michigan, whereas Saban is six and one in his uh, in the last seven playoff semifinals. Uh, the, actually, the only seven playoff semifinals, but he's got nine wins in the college football playoff. Uh, and you know Michigan has zero. They've lost two, and they've lost to Georgia and TCU. The t- TCU game was not expected. The Georgia one was. Uh, but it just is a reminder of, you know, even though Michigan is number one and Alabama is number four, Alabama has a much better track record in this kind of uh, playoff than uh, than Michigan does. So I think, you know, for, for Alabama, and, and, you know, they've got somewhat of a psychological edge in this because they've done it. They've seen it done. Saban knows he can get it done. He knows how to get his team ramped up for this week. I, I, I mean, I think he learned a lot in the 2014 uh, semifinal loss to Ohio State. Uh, that was a question and something I remember when I was covering Alabama that he talked about was, you know, just trying to get his team prepared, not practicing too much. They practiced too much before that game. And and he just understands the rhythm of how to get his team prepared for this and I don't know if Michigan really does know how to get that. I mean, I do think, you know, Harbaugh is a little bit more disorganized than Sabin is. I mean, just talking to people who have worked around both guys. I mean, Sabin is very, very organized. Harbaugh's not, and when you have a three week period where you also have the early signing period and the transfer portal to navigate and getting your team ready, organization is key to being successful during this period.
0: It it is. And, and and those are all things uh relevant points that, that we're gonna get into. But I guess like Saban is more meticulous than like everyone on earth, right? So it's that is a hard but I mean I I don't know. I have not been around and I'm not saying you use the word disorganized, but Harball's pretty Harbaugh is also pretty rather I, I mean he he what coaches say is he's empowering, right? So maybe there's times that looks like he does not he's not on top of all things at all times, but they sort of look at it as building everyone up. And and you're right. Michigan has not proven that it knows how to handle this this layoff, right? Uh, it got pounded by Georgia when it was not ready and not ready for that moment. But I don't that,
1: that, honestly don't think that they were mentally even
0: they, – they, they were just happy to be there. That, they, it, were. That, that, they, they were, and, and, and they've said as much. But last year, um, I mean, there's something in the prep, right? However, now you've done it a couple times, and I think we had this conversation – off air it's sort of it it becomes sort of like ohio state right like you're just going to always assume ohio state's going to like going into 21 it had been a decade right like there had been nothing to prove that michigan can do it eventually you do do it right eventually you are just and it doesn't just happen but you have to do things differently and michigan and like michigan's off this week they're not practicing and they too are trying to get that get have that give and take and not overreact but appropriately react to their their shortcomings uh from 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 last year and uh and, and and just one and one more note just it just looked i just wanted to before we move on uh and, and i want to give you a chance to respond as well i know you were talking about vegas earlier and we were talking about like the proper matchups i mean michigan is a two, and i said earlier they're they're still a one point favorite like they opened as a two-point favorite i think 90 percent of the early money that came in was on alabama right i mean just hammering alabama it never crossed over to money line or even Michigan is still a favorite and that might be a little too technical, but there are a lot of external factors showing this is not just, Oh, Michigan that can never win a bowl game. Oh, Alabama who is big, bad Alabama. And this is a foregone conclusion. Like when the two teams met in, in 20 on January one, 2020 uh, and, and Bama won 35 to 16 and Saban scores the like touch and, and all of that. I don't think, and now, Bama might win, but this is a different feel.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think that this is an elite Alabama, which is why I think this has been Saban's best coaching job. I mean, I mean, i been saying this. I think since week three, you know, since they, they uh, you know, they, I thought Alabama well, week three. I week three. We were right. saying yeah. Hey, blah, blah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, you know, and so I'm like, he's gonna, you know, I mean, if they're gonna do anything, it's gonna take, you know a lot of heavy lifting and, you know, he's done it. And then ever since then, I, th- I think it was, I was talking to friends who, you know, still work in Alabama. And I was like, by, I think like week 10, I was like saying, this is by far Saban's best coaching job that he's done. Cause I don't know how he's doing it. You know, it, it doesn't look like a, a vintage Alabama team. They don't have necessarily the best players at every position, even though I guess they still have a roster that's ranked number one, uh, according to 24-7 sports, I guess in the talent composite. But this is not this is not the same Alabama team that even Michigan played in 2019, which didn't even make the college football playoff that had, you know, Tua Tonga Vialoa, they had Jerry Judy, Mac Jones, uh, you know, uh Najee Harris, uh Devontae Smith. I mean, those guys were still on the team back then, and uh um you know, again, made Alabama look almost indomitable. I mean, this this Alabama team is not. I mean, they you know they barely squeaked by Auburn, and Auburn lost to New Mexico uh, State. Uh, you know, the week before, and so it's like um, it, it's not it's not the same Alabama team. However, I I do have questions about how Michigan matches up, particularly on the offensive line uh, against Alabama's front. And also, you know, what the Jalen Milrow will do against, uh, you know, Michigan's defense. I mean, they have not seen a quarterback, uh, a, a dual threat caliber
0: with that that kind of athleticism all year. Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, nothing near it. Right. And just but to your point, going through that Alabama roster uh, is, is an exercise in just like. Oh my goodness! Like Patrick Sertain was on that team. Yeah. Uh, Trevon Diggs was on that team. Uh, Henry Ruggs, who people forget about uh, for yeah. obvious reasons, was on that team. Xavier McKinney, uh, Will Will uh, Will Richard who is now a senior, the the leading kicker, the leading scorer in Alabama history, he was a freshman on, on that team. And I'm only on the roster to to number 19, right? Najee Harris, number 22. Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, Jerome Ford, all of these. Guys. Jerome Ford is, Jerome is the, is the Ford. Right. Cincinnati. running back to the Browns. Yeah, right. Um, and, that, and I mean, yeah, it's just names, just the names on this. uh I mean, that's, what, that's what Alabama
1: looked like all three years when I covered them. I mean, like the, 20, whole, the entire twenty sixteen defense got drafted. Uh, I mean, we're. I mean, you know, again, you, they were they were dominant, and they had guys. They had the talent advantage over everybody, but then you also had the fact that they were extremely well coached, and then it was a, it was a it made them look like they were indestructible. Of course, they lost that 2016 year on the final play against Clemson, but the point still stands. I mean, that Alabama those Alabama teams were incredibly loaded. This one, not as much. I mean, they've got issues on the offensive line. Uh, they've had some issues even with the. You know, someone of the front seven. I mean, they've got a couple guys, but they don't have like, you know, the dual pass rushers. They've got Dallas Turner, but they don't have like a guy that quite balances them out, although Chris Braswell has come along in his fifth year. And that's a guy that was still there when I was there, you know? Blake Horam, Blake Horam's high school teammate. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it's a much, much different team than those teams, I
0: feel. Yeah. No. You, you would know best, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're the one who's, who's been there and can, and can understand. And so I, I, I didn't want to get into to Harbaugh and Sabin, but there's going to be tons of time to, to do, all, to do that. And, and, and juxtapose them both against one another, because I think you just led into something. Well, uh, that is, as you hear my dog coughing, um, You're talking about those Alabama teams that had all all that depth and all all that NFL talent. I mean, we could look back at this Michigan team and look at 15, 20 some odd uh, NFL draft picks as well. And mind you, I would argue the three most raw, talented players who I would want as an NFL uh, GM, none of them are, maybe four, none of them are eligible, right? Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, uh, Will Johnson. All sophomores, and I think those might be Michigan's highest end, like NFL guys. Um, but there are still, I, I mean, set Michigan's top seven offensive linemen, all seniors or grad students. Two wide receivers, a quarterback, two running backs, three to four defensive backs, a linebacker, uh, a defensive tackle, two to three edges, a kicker. I mean, there's a there there is a Michigan might set an, an NFL record for for draft picks this year as well. So the difference is those Jerry. It's not like first-round uh, skill position guys, yeah, right? Great. It's just a lot of solid, good depth.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, again, back in 2020, Michigan, you know, when they played Alabama uh, that year, I mean, Michigan did not have the same level of depth that, that Alabama did. It wasn't even close. I mean, they also didn't have the guys that looked like Alabama's guys. I mean, some of the – I mean, Carl Kemp was playing defensive tackle – I mean, he's like an NFL linebacker uh, or, you know, a linebacker in the pros, I should say. And so like, uh, or at the pro level and it's just the, the size of the guys I had, there was an NFL scout that came and he was very familiar with both programs, Alabama and Michigan. I was talking to him and he, uh, uh, he said that again, the Michigan players back in 2019, 2020 did not look like Alabama's players. Like, and so Harbaugh's done a really good job with that. I think, again, them switching the defensive scheme to the current defensive scheme allowed them to find a profile player that more fits and matches up better with teams like Alabama and Georgia. And this is only beneficial for Michigan in this kind of game. I mean, them, them making that defensive switch in 2021, huge for Michigan to be able to compete in the playoffs.
0: It obviously did everything. I mean, it literally changed the entire, the entire program because they could beat up on everyone. And then Don Brown, the man defense and the and Dr. Blitz would just get beat on
1: guys like playing that pseudo safety linebacker Viper position. doesn't yeah. translate in the NFL as much. I mean, you know, Michael Barrett uh, luckily was able to make the transition to the I'm current linebacker yeah. position, but you know, again, he would have been a fish out of water, uh, you know, uh, when it comes oh, wow. to NFL evaluators and like, you know, who knows? He might have, you know, dropped weight to kind of continue to play that position. And, it, you know, it, nece- it wouldn't necessarily have been as uh, uh, as viable of an NFL draft prospect as he probably is now.
0: Yeah. yeah. My other rhetorical question for this exercise is why – and I, I think the answer – well, there's a couple answers. Why everybody does not run this Baltimore Ravens-style defense, this multiple defense? Is kind of beyond me i mean i think the simple answer is it's it's pretty complex right there's a lot of trust there's a lot of understanding that needs to happen and there are different moving parts right five down linemen four down linemen a nickel and and and, and different aspects of it but well, i think it's so much better than a basic four three like there are so many things you can do you can't like michigan like 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 against Iowa, for example, right? N- Michigan's base packet, or I mean, it's not their base package, but more often than not, the first time on the field, they come out in nickel. They have five DBs. Not against Iowa, they had five defensive linemen on the field, and they had everyone close to the line of scrimmage, yeah. and there's nothing you can do.
1: Well, I mean, again, Georgia and Alabama. I mean, some of the more sophisticated and better run programs in the country do run this
0: kind of multiple multiple front defenses. I was saying, even and Michigan. Yeah. Even Michigan, well, he was winning there. ten games a year, right. and 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 has all the resort. Like it took a while. Like I know. You know well,
1: to- I mean, it took it took them finally moving on from Don Brown and 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 bringing in this kind of defense to get the program to the point where again they're competing in the playoff and have a chance to beat in Alabama and Georgia. Yeah. Uh, whereas you know, again, a few years ago that would have been a pipe dream, and so. Michigan has made a huge strides and it has a lot to do with again changing the, de- the defense I mean they they you know I mean Chris Partridge even alluded to it I mean like him coming back I mean he's not here anymore obviously after the you know the whole counter stallion situation but uh but when he was it came back it it, it looked different to him like they they look more like they were able to match up with those kind of SEC teams and so I, I again I think this has been uh, a huge benefit for them and you know we'll, we'll see how it translates but i think they're in much better position to go up against alabama than they were you know again in 2019 2020
0: i agree and uh we'll take a quick break uh on the other side we will continue this conversation uh and just and sort of expand it on what is a very busy time uh for the program uh so we'll be right back this is how All right, Reiner, just sort of picking up where we left off. It's not just a lot of teams are either prepping for a bowl and just a lower level bowl and trying to fill out their uh, the the rest of their roster for next year uh, via the high school and the transfer portal. Michigan also all those things going on. Um, But it's it's different when you are still, like, most teams are not still fully focused on this year, right? You're you're getting extra reps. You're practicing. You're, fi- like, different guys are getting different looks. You're turning things over for the next year. Michigan does not, like, cannot do that, right? They are in fully right-now mode while at the same time knowing, they, as we just mentioned, they're going to lose 15, 16, 17 guys, uh, probably, uh, to, to the draft, not to mention, Right now, Michigan is one of I think two teams in the country that does not have anybody who has left in the transfer portal. Even last year, when Michigan had the same type of success, there were guys who entered the portal. Right? It's it, it things can be all good. You can have great connections, but you just want something different, right? So that will happen. Um, but December fourth, the portal opened. It's open until January fourth. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just a lot going on right now uh, for 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 Michigan coaches uh, who are flying all over the country uh, to try and handle.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an extremely busy time. I was just talking to, you know, uh, Todd Berry with the American Football Coaches Association. He was just talking about how coaches feel, you know, like it's almost an impossible task to be, you know, having to deal with all of this all at once. Uh, but there really was no perfect solution here. I mean, there have been talks about moving the early signing date up to August, uh, but they worry about, you know, if they do that then the high school players would opt out their senior seasons, you know, if they, decide then, and then, you know, also, uh, there's been talks about moving it to late November, which seems like a sweet spot, but that's going to obviously have some impact because then you're going to want to have coaching changes perhaps earlier than that period. So if it, it yeah, so right up and yeah, right up until that period, I mean, it could be, so there's really no perfect period. And then you have, Is that a component of the portals windows? Uh, They didn't want to, the coaches didn't want to have all year round players entering the portal. So they created these windows. Uh, And the reason why you have the window in December is because you have to get the players in so that they can enroll. And you're starting to also see universities move their enroll, uh, their uh, start date of their second semester back a week because of one, eligibility issues with the championship game. You know, if they if you go in if your semester starts before the the championship game, there's a possibility a lot of the players could be ineligible because they didn't go to class while preparing for the draft. You know, like you know because they didn't really care about this fall semester. Uh, and so, but then you know you have that component, and then you have also the fact that uh, players could be trying to get into their next you know university by you know X date uh, you know for to to be enrolled, and so. You could have players having to leave championship teams, and that's a fear going into next year with the 12-team playoff. You know what's going to happen there because, again, players might be on the uh, trying to get to their next school, and they could leave the team in the middle of the playoff. And so, um, yeah, there's a there's a lot. Th- this whole period is a mess, and it's just it, it's indicative of what college football is right now. It's just a big mess. You
0: know, it is. It, it, it's a total mess. I guess my hope uh, is that the twelve-team playoff, by more teams getting in, right? You don't have to be leaving, right? Like, like right. you won't have right. Kyle McCord transfer. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, when and Dylan Gabriel and these gotten like, you know what I mean? It's just like, why is Kyle? I mean, I mean, I guess, <laughs> I guess, Ohio well, State problem. I mean, did not make. They did not make, if you watch that Ryan Day interview, I mean, they they didn't make the commitment to him. But I mean, for for fear of sounding like uh, a a coach I used to cover early in my career, Tom Izzo, uh, I don't know what happened to just kind of sticking it out and stick like like ever, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm all for transferring and money and paying the players and not these dirty, slimy execs. Good, but like, this is not (laughs) where we are now. Uh is not good. And obviously with NIL, like NIL was not supposed to be a group of boosters with a bag of cash saying, Hey, this is what we're gonna do. It was supposed to be. We aren't telling you just because you're an amateur, you can't go be on a big boy commercial, right? That's what it was supposed to be. And uh and, and the portal and and everyone moving and bouncing left to right and no loyalty and anything like that. Is, is all just they're all just symptoms of of, of the greater problem that, that 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 is where college football is at and uh, and yes you are older than me like you mentioned earlier Reiner but uh, but but even I, I mean I remember pre college football playoff I mean Sabin, Sabin was one of the first people to say
1: that the playoff is going to make the bowl games meaningless and so he was like the first one to say it and he was like the Rose Bowl will mean nothing yeah he said just watch this and then yeah. he, you know. He he was right on the money about it, and you know uh, he usually has a good read on things. that can anticipate stuff, and that's why he's the you know won as much as he has because he understands these global issues, and he also is able to adapt to them. I mean, that's like I mean again, he was kind of caught off guard, I think, with the early signing period the first year Saban was, and then he adjusted and was able to kind of find his sweet spot. And again, trying to to navigate that. But it's it's a huge it's a huge issue for all the coaches, especially in the playoff. I mean, there's a reason why Harbaugh said, you know, we're giving the players a week off. It wasn't just because you know he was being so nice. I mean, they had to take a week off so that they could go, go to Idaho. Yeah, go to yeah go to Idaho and go to Austin to see Blake Frazier and go try to get Gatlin Bear, you know, who just decommitted de- from Boise State. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it part of it is because the coaches have to get out of town. Uh, and go all across the country to kind of finish off the recruiting class. Meanwhile, they're trying to prepare for their biggest game of the year.
0: Yeah. And you have the most interesting. I mean, it, our, our final point is that I don't know if there is. And of course, we have our eyes on Michigan, right? We're in the Michigan lane. And so we don't know exactly the inner workings and all the dynamics of every program. What I might want, what I'm cl- inclined to believe is no other program in America is still at a bigger crossroads, right? Like it feels like they are climbing this mountain, like Mount Everest, and they can see the summit. They can see the celebration, and like everyone waiting. I don't know who's at the summit already, but uh, this metaphorical people waiting right there. But if they put their axe in the wrong spot, like this avalanche could come down, and they could not reach it. It's and whereas so many other teams are, and that's because of the uncertainty of the future of Harbaugh. Uh, as he is on, as he's doing all these recruiting trips. Right. Um, and today there's reports surfacing that he and Michigan are moving closer towards a contract. Now, I mean, I, what, what, what we will say, or I don't know, I, I don't want to speak for you, Reiner, but, uh, I'm not ready to say that that's a, a, a done deal just yet.
1: No, I don't think anybody would say it's a done deal. I mean, again, we've seen Harbaugh look for NFL jobs, each of the last two cycles, and I was talking to somebody who's close to him, you know, before, and, and that person said that, uh, you know, that Harbaugh would probably look to go back, you know, look to the NFL, realizing that Michigan's going to lose a lot of p- talent, uh, you know. Again, it, Michigan and Harbaugh stock may never be higher than it is now, and then, you know, he would have to, you know, go through a possible uh transition period if he stayed and so this the time to strike was now and there's you know Adam Schefter I think said that there might be 10 or 11 openings you figure Harbaugh would probably have a good chance at getting one of them uh this is probably the highest percentage that he he'd have even going back the last couple of years when he interviewed per, in person with the Vikings in 2022 um, and even when the Broncos, uh, you know, flew to talk to him last year, and so I think this might be the best opportunity for ball to go. And you know, again, with the looming NCA uh, sanctions possibly uh, hanging over his head, uh, that at least that prospect of it, you know, w- w- with the original NCA investigation into impermissible recruiting and coaching activities, and now you've got the sign stealing. Uh, investigation too. Yeah, it, it it remains to be seen whether Harbaugh, you know, would want to even exist. You know, and you know, try to fight through that period. Uh, when also again, his whole roster could be uh, completely transformed.
0: That's why we're talking about it, right? You got you got the roster that's going into into a big overhaul. You have a couple of potential NCAA investigations that the the two that you just mentioned. Um, you have his desire that he has expressed previously, not right now, uh, to, to coach in the NFL. And that's all the and you have. We don't know. I mean, those NTA investigations, you don't know how he could be punished next year. And you're going into a much harder Big Ten. Right. So those are all the reasons that Harbaugh might go. But then he is two wins away. And Michigan, <laughs> it, with four teams left, is the odds on favorite to win the national championship. They've beaten Ohio State three times in a row. They've walked to three straight Big Ten championships. He's done – I mean, that's everything you dream of. It's more like, you, like sure. you couldn't even fathom this if you're Michigan and you're that close. So lock it in and keep this thing going, right? And it's so amazing that even right now, like it, it's my job and part of our job to know which way this is going. What I've been told by, by people around it is anyone who's saying they know what's going to happen – is not te- they might think they do they don't that's only Jim knows yeah. only Jim knows maybe a, his wife maybe Sarah that's it that's it and even he doesn't know yet he just knows what he wants it depends if the NFL wants him no nope, he was forty four and nineteen and one and has not got and and you've said the, you've said it before all the retread coaches keep coming through yet he hasn't gotten that offer extended and this is not a slight on him like, I think I think he's a tremendous coach. I think he should. I think someone should give him a shot in the NFL, and I think Michigan should w- want to keep him to a certain extent. However, he did pretty well, um, and th- th- there's a time where there's a time where what's worth it, right? However, I know this is working if I'm Michigan, right? And I am gonna if I ride it too long and it breaks, then I ride I'm it right too right. long. And it breaks. Well, it's it's working to
1: a point. Of course, there's going to be you know possibly a reckoning. You know, in the in this in the future, I don't know when, uh, depending on what happens with again these the, the NCAA cloud hanging over the program, and then it's uh, you know again, Michigan should just well, enjoy. I mean, it Michigan all. has
0: clearly made its peace with that, right? Yeah. And, well, I mean, I mean, brass has to, from my understanding, the re, I mean, the Regents, the AD, the president, not just from my understanding publicly, they've all backed Harbaugh. So I'm just saying it with the understanding, like, yes, if new things come to light and and it gets further, and I'm not saying that Michigan is absolved of punishment that I think is deserved and is coming, but you've gone this far, right? Like you've already served these suspensions. It's just hot. like that's well, but
1: desperate. I mean they, One yeah, that there's not going to be, you know, future discipline. And then it, there's also, you know, I mean, who knows what, what, what the, NCAA, you know, could do in that situation. And, uh, you know, again, will the university, you know, catch collateral damage for, you know, trying to keep, you know, Jim, if he, if he's there. But I mean, it's also, again, it's a question of whether Jim has the opportunity to go. I mean, the the obviously the, he hasn't had that opportunity presented to him. I mean, he's got a reputation for being difficult to work with. Uh, I mean, I think you've seen it here at Michigan, uh, him and Ward Manuel have not always been on the same page and often have not. And, uh, there, there seems to be some friction there. And so, uh, that's kind of been par for the course wherever he has been. It was at Stanford with Bowlesby. It was, you know, with Trent Baalke at in the 49ers, it's been the case with Ward. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it's kind of buyer beware with the NFL, I mean, the guy wins a lot, and he's won a lot these last three years at Michigan. And so Michigan has tolerated it. But they were even close to pulling the, pulling the cord uh, and,
0: and ducking out in 2020. Uh, yeah, you know, but that was just the wins and losses thing, right? Like we see. Well, but we it's, see, it's we're we're at, at, a car, at a certain rate that
1: but it's… Part of the reason why that happened was because Harbaugh went and signed a contract extension. He had less than two years left on his deal. It was the most unorthodox thing that you've seen in the coaching industry. I mean, nobody nobody has a contract extension that, or a contract that runs to uh, that close to the uh, th- the final mm-hmm. deadline, yeah, it, to the endpoint, uh, and without having a, an extension in the works. And so it got to the point where you know, Ward Manuel, like they, they had to get a contract done or get rid of him, and they chose to get this contract. Uh, which included a massive pay cut, uh, which kind of kick-started this whole Harbaugh to the NFL thing. Because before that, I mean, Harbaugh was really uh, annoyed by all the rumors and speculation about him going to the NFL, but then he kind of just leaned into it. Uh, when he interviewed with the Vikings, Uh turns out right after that, he got the pay bump back to re- basically his pay restored uh, but then he went and did it again when he said he wouldn't uh, interview with the Vikings. So uh, again, there's there's that uncertainty, and there's always going to be that uncertainty, you know, with with Jim Harbaugh and, and the NFL because he's you know stated on record that you know nothing would be better than winning a Super Bowl. Uh, so I mean, he was as close as you could come to winning. I mean, a, what it was eight yards away basically against his brother and in and, and 2012. So uh, yeah, there's going to always be uh, questions about it. And there's certainly going to be questions about it this year with all that's hanging over the program. But that's why Michigan fans should just
0: enjoy the moment almost yes. block out the future because we don't know what's going to happen. And, and and that's why we talked about this, right? Like we're talking about what is it's already a busy time for a program normally, right? This like, right. like you're talking to this guy, uh, like you're, you're talking to your guys and they're saying like, college coaches are already swimming. Then you add a college football playoff in the mix and then you're really going. Then you add some NCAA investigations in the mix and the uncertainty of next year and your coach and a contract. I mean, how Michigan has been able to just laser focus this thing. uh, I mean, it's a a testament to everyone in that building uh, from from the top to the bottom. Uh, Is there anything else we need to touch on? Uh, I mean, Michigan basketball, uh, lost five of six. Obviously, um, I think that is more of a discussion for next week because uh, that—that's not something that can be glossed over. Uh, that there's that's there have been some serious concerns uh, with uh, with the basketball team uh, with with the defense. I know that was kind of a hard pivot, um, but <laughs> but Ryan, I'm I'm just thinking as we put a bow on this. I'm just trying to think about uh, what else is uh, is in store at, as part of this. Live in the moment. Just sort of appreciate it uh, because there were a lot of things we wanted to get to that, that we couldn't get to.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think again, the, the focus, I think for most Michigan fans are on what's going to happen on January 1st as it should be. I mean, it, it's, you know, Michigan's, this is Michigan's best shot in a national title. We've been saying this since the podcast debuted uh, and uh, back in the summer. And it's just the truth. I mean, this, everything that we've thought has played out kind of as is up until this point, we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, except for obviously the sign stealing investigation coming out (laughs) and, you know, some of the, some of the suspensions that have been levied against Harbaugh, but in general, everything, the performance on the field has kind of, uh, met our expectations. I mean, I had them going undefeated through the regular season, and my full expectation was them getting back to the playoff and competing in the Rose Bowl, and that's exactly what
0: happened. Well, I was not quite as much of a, as a, of a savant as you, but that was mostly because I picked them to win the national championship, uh, and uh, only LSU, uh, or, or like, LSU-Georgia. Like, it's been, a, I don't know, the last, I don't know if the Big Ten team, well, certainly in this era, has gone run like run the whole table and michigan has has certainly not done that so i just didn't see michigan going 15 and 0 um but so so i I threw them a loss at penn state and but thought they would still make their way in so they're right where you said they would be and they still have the path to where i said they may end up so uh they've done their job and uh we're trying to do ours so uh, until next time when we will hope to get into perhaps so, some more of these names. Uh, I, I got, I have a piece up on freak.com about some of those names uh, in, in the transfer portal to watch. Uh, obviously we could talk all day about, uh, I mean, we didn't even get into JJ McCarthy's coming back and uh, Dante Moore and where to go with quarterback uh, pieces. Um, there's time. Michigan's taking the week off. We have been trying to do the same, uh, and, uh, and I, got, I got a flight to catch uh, for this weekend. So, um, yeah, we're, we're going to get to it. Uh, so thanks to Reiner, as always. Uh, thanks to our editor-in-chief, Nicole Avery-Nichols, executive editor, Anjanette Delgado, sports editor, Kirkland Crawford, audio engineer, Robin Chan, and sports editor and our show's producer, Andrew Burkle. Uh, I'm Tony Garcia. This is Pale Yes. Talk to you next time.